0: Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood.
1: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 499. Yes, one episode to the big 500. I never thought I would get there. Um, just amazing that you've stayed with me, listeners and viewers, on this winding journey of WordPress. um, We've got a powerful panel, a great special guest, a real friend of the show, Brian Jackson. He's coming back, former content manager at Kinster. um, He's joining us and it should be a great show. So I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. Let's start with my great co-host on my Thursday interview show. Uh, Adrian, would you like to quickly introduce yourself?
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I am the CEO of Groundhog and Mailhawk. We help small businesses launch their marketing funnels.
1: Yeah, I was being cruel because he's just finishing off his breakfast. So I thought I was just throwing it in <laughs> with his number one. That's the kind of person <laughs> I am. See, so. uh, uh, he was a bit nasty to me yesterday, actually. He was. What
2: are you uh, talking about? <laughs> I was not. That's unfair. All
1: right. Um, Spencer, my friend Spencer, would you like I'm, to Do you, you know
3: what? Spencer yeah? format from Lunch flows, but I want to reflect on the fact that. I remember when you started this show, I think I was uh, like one of your guests when you had a co-host, a different co-host, Bill Conrad or something. Oh, crazy Bill. Uh, like he was both show three name. or four. I'm really shocked. Like, I got to give you a high five. You make it to 500, you, I think, officially go into the like podcasting hall of fame or something because this is like, uh, I can no, the-
1: you're still here. It's not. <laughs> it's like that's the kind of word you use for a disease, isn't it? I don't believe it's a, it's a high five a the Chora, I don't believe coras, do we? You know, are, um, we we need the dais up here to
3: roast you. But I mean, high five for all that. That's awesome, John.
1: Yeah, it's not. Man, it's, you know, really realistic. There's not many to get to five hundred, is there? I think the plug a, a a to z got to five hundred. I'm not sure if the Tavern, did the Tavern get over 500? I think they did, didn't they? Before they stopped.
3: I mean, I know, like, uh, I got to look at their numbers. There's a couple of people have been around forever, but obviously, uh, like Andrew Warner and um, uh, startups, the rest of us, I think yeah. is probably in that range, right? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. nothing. So they
3: go 500.
1: Yeah, you go. And I got my young um, friend, Stephen. Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Steven Satter with Zipfish.io.
4: Uh, we make WordPress fast by optimizing both the servers and the code that's on your site.
1: That's great. And I've got, we've got our special guest, Brian Jackson. Brian, would you like to quickly introduce yourself?
5: Uh, yeah, so I'm the currently the co-founder um, of Forge Media. We develop a few premium WordPress plugins. And then I also publish right now a lot of WordPress content um, on a couple
1: of different blogs as well. I do. It's doing very really great stuff. Ryan, did you see
3: that? Uh, sorry to hijack. Sometime at the end of the show, we could talk about that article we were talking about of yours, which is a great article last week about your experiences, but we were all wondering about a couple points like you're never going to use WooCommerce again, bet. Maybe we can talk about that after the end of the show or something. Sure. I, I try to stay transparent, side so I don't mind. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, I, I I'd, I'd love to share
5: more about Love that article because
3: I, I enjoyed writing that article. It was actually a lot of fun. It was a good article, but we're I'm gonna lure you. We're gonna lure you with a bet. Like anybody seen <laughs> Brian's of <little> commerce? Anybody?
1: <laughs> yeah, what's going on with our item from WP to Spencer, do you, you think he's uh, falling out with his Ashter friends?
3: We were just we were just discussing uh, a couple of us separately. He had a video that I think came out yesterday, the day before, with that cadence theme, you showing about- how there there's a Gutenberg block that allows WooCommerce to sort of have a look and feel like a Shopify page. And he seems in this video to be very animated and excited. I won't speak for him, but he, I mean, he seems to be like revolutionary. And two things struck me as very unusual. Number one, he's in a business relationship with Sujay at Astra. And this would be directly contrary to be pumping cadence against his partner's Astra Pro. Number two is it's an like a big letting air out of a bag because it doesn't do anything. It's just a couple switches that turn on a bunch of different things on like a pre-made template. And I'm like, what are you getting so jazzed up about this? And the only explanation that when I discussed this, people said, was that like I was, he makes his money by referring people to affiliate links from his YouTube videos. So Cadence clearly has a nice affiliate program is the only thing I can imagine.
1: (laughs) There we go. I just thought I ask you. I was just puzzled. Um, Let's go into into the show, folks. Um, Let's start with a couple of our sponsors. And let's start with Kinsta. Kinsta's been my major sponsor for over two years. They've really supported the show. I'm very appreciative of their support. Um, they host the WP Tonic website. It's been faultless. I, I just don't have any problems almost all the time when I'm with Kinsta. And what do you get either for yourself or for your clients? Well, if you've got a WooCommerce site, if you've got a, a learning management system, um, you need more power. And that's what you get from Kinster. They only host... WordPress websites. They use the Google Cloud as their hosting medium to so get the best performance possible. And basically, their support is really good. Uh, when a couple of times when I've had the odd problem, I've spoken to the person and they've been able to deal with it and they're not had to migrate it higher up. Normally, the person that you started off with the conversation is the person that finishes the conversation with you. And basically, you're not having to wait um, half hour, 40 minutes to get help. If that sounds interesting, then I think it should. Go over to Kinster, have a look at their packages. I suggest you buy one. And the most important thing is tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. Our next sponsor is LaunchFlows. LaunchFlows is an amazing product. You know, it's 2020, folks. We need modern funnels in WordPress. We need to compete with other systems, and that's what that's what you get with launch flows. With launch flows, a free version of elevator uh, a free version of WooCommerce, you can build all sorts of landing pages, shopping cart pages, everything customized, layout the way you wanted. The possibilities are endless. So, go over to Launch Flows and you can use the coupon code WP Tonic Rocks. I say that again WP Tonic Rocks, and you get 25% off the price. So, into story one. Happy 17th WordPress. Uh, um, yes, 17 years. And this is from Justin Tablock from the Tavern. And what did you think of this one, Agent? Well it's super
2: exciting. I have not been around for the whole uh seventeen years, but Whoa. I <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing my best to put a mark on it in the in the about the six years that I've been part of the community and it's just super exciting. WordPress has a very, very, very long future ahead of it as well. You know, it, yes, it's like seventeen year old and in technology terms, times moves relatively quickly and uh products Obsolesce every single day. And, but WordPress has been able to stick around and it's been able to iterate, it's been able to innovate. And I think with Gutenberg and you know themes probably going away in the next couple of years, if not by the end of this year, and all of the advancements to Gutenberg and the block directory and all that stuff is going to push it just a little bit further in terms on, on the innovation scale.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you to some extent. Um, but I was, I thought it was an amazing story from Zach yesterday from Gravity View about how he started his business. And uh, he was so honest, wasn't he? Uh, and it was quite inspiring, really, wasn't it, Adrian?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, stories like that where businesses are able to feed off, because in, in the case of our interview yesterday, uh, Zach Katz, founder of gravity view is offering a service specifically for the community of gravity forms. And basically his story is like so many others of our stories where a lot of us product developers currently on the call are able to feed off the massive community of WordPress. That community is just growing, which means that, you know, the few, fu- the future of uh, capitalism in the WordPress industry is going to be super, uh, you know, it's going to be good because, as that community grows, we're going to have more customers, and we're going to be able to innovate and, and elevate the WordPress community as a whole together as well. So, really, it's just you know good news all around for for the future of WordPress. And it's been you know there's been a lot of changes in the 17 years you know coming from you know the original WordPress fork to to where we are today. Uh, we're starting to lose kind of the as as Spencer puts it, the hippie granola mentality. That is slowly going away, and and I think. WordPress is becoming a a monetarily incentivized community for the most part, in which case people are starting to realize that, hey, listen, if we're going to create businesses around WordPress and we are going to actually want to make money with WordPress, we have to invest money back into it. And I think that only spells good things for those of us who are also monetarily invested in the WordPress community already, myself with my businesses, Spencer with his, Steven, Brian, et cetera. And uh, I think the shift in that direction is a good thing overall.
1: Uh, what do you reckon, Brian?
5: Uh, I was, it was interesting because I was doing a, writing an article the other day and I was kind of going back in the way back time machine to see like actually when I started using WordPress. And so for me, it was 2008. So I've been using WordPress for about 12 years. So I missed the first like five years there. I was doing like HTML hard coding websites before that, before I discovered WordPress. Um, But yeah, just to see where it's gone in the 12 years. I mean, when I did the first site, like it was just like a blog role and just to start blogging. um, Because at the time, that's essentially what WordPress was. It was just a blogging platform at that time. Um, And just to see where it is now and, you know, with my brother and I actually making WordPress plugins. And that's actually um, for the most part how we're making our living now. Just um, I I put in the article I wrote actually, like I, um, and then working at Kinsta too is a WordPress focus. So like most of my career, I have to thank um, for WordPress. Otherwise I'd be doing some totally other thing. Um, I came from an IT background And I got out of that because I knew I was going to kill myself before I got to 60. If I was doing that, it's just, yeah. And so um, if it wasn't for WordPress, I'd probably be aiding myself trying to fix people's computers. Um, (laughs) Still stuck in a job I didn't like. So yeah, it's, it's really cool to see different businesses. I, I think the blocks like Adrian touched on is really exciting. I've, I just converted all my sites to um, generate blocks, which is a new thing from um, Tom, who's the developer of Generate Press. And um, so all my sites are completely block-based now. Um, And I'm starting to really love blocks. And at first I was kind of with the crowd saying, I hated blocks, I don't get this Gutenberg thing, like this is stupid.
2: They're growing Um, on me.
5: But yeah, they are really growing on me um, for sure as well. And yeah, I can just see the potential. Um, And Hero Themes is another kind of product, uh, WordPress development company that I really like and use some of their products, but they just launched a table of contents plugin, but it's completely block-based and it's literally like what a table of contents plugin should be if you're using blocks, like you can, it automatically generates the headers. You can actually click hide or view a header. Um, it's just, it utilizes Block to the fullest. And so to see developers kind of taking advantage of blocks and rolling with it to make people's lives easier, it's just actually really, really cool, I think.
1: That's great. Over to you, Stephen.
4: It was a really fun article. I love the comparison of like uh, WordPress being 17 years old and a 17-year-old kind of like figuring out life because we're kind of like in this really fun new place in WordPress with the whole block stuff where there's a lot of figuring out that's happening and a lot of things that are like up in the air, but things that are being nailed down at the same time. And like when I would think back when I was like 17 years old trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. I don't know. Do just I go like, to college? Do I not go to college? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like which direction go? Like I like these things. And I still like those things. So like, there's like these trends, but like, how is it all going to play out? Like we're seeing it like, you know, happen before our eyes. And, um, you know, starting off with like hating blocks and now blocks feels like a usable thing finally. But like it still doesn't have as many features as one would want. So people are still being pushed to page builders at times. And like just watching this whole thing unfold feels like a 17-year-old. So like that analogy, just like at a really hut home was fun.
2: You know what? It, it's kind of like, with the, you know, because it's always like been the struggle between open source and hey, listen, you know, we got to make money on this thing. So it's almost like a 17 year old being like, hey, listen, I really just want to go hang out with my friends and like surf by the beach. But all of a sudden now I have families to support because, you know, I got in bed with the wrong person. <laughs> so it's almost like, hey, listen, there's a huge community that, you know, we're responsible for at this point, and, and, and And what can we do in order to support them and trying to say, but I still want to go hang out with my friends by the beach and eat granola and all that stuff.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a fun space to see what it's like, what's going to happen. What's going to shake out. Like it's exciting.
1: Hey, what do you reckon, Spencer?
4: I mean, I started in 2006.
3: I, I don't know what happened from three to five, but I remember the whole B2 story where it came from and it was probably early days by six. It was fully f- formed. Um, but you reminded me with the, the, (laughs) Adrian (laughs) talking about gravity view. Some of the things that I loved about the early days of WordPress, which still sort of exist, are like the famous gravity view video that Zach no longer has on the homepage. We talked
2: about that yesterday.
3: Right. The musical (laughs) one, which it's buried in the internet somewhere, but that thing is classic. And those brilliant, those campy things were, uh, you could get away with a lot more. You can still do fun stuff. I like to think that we still do fun stuff. But with the popularity in the 37.62547% of the internet, whatever that means, um, comes a level of, like everything else, you need to change your visibility methods. Uh, You could be the only one doing that and all of a sudden everybody knew you. That's why we have all those fun stories of Matt showing up to argue with Chris Pearson. That doesn't happen as much anymore because if there's tens of millions of people doing stuff, you're not going to get attention in the same way, unless it's a notorious way, like hosting an orgy party at a WordPress camp or something. So I would say where we're at now going forward is sort of, for those of us for 10, 12, 15 years or something being around, like we can reflect upon where it's come from where it started. But at the same time, there's going to have to be like a new layer of what are the new kind of things you can do that are unique. And I, I mean, I, I look forward to that. I'm not saying it in a nostalgic, sad way. I'm saying it in a way that like, now it's a whole different thing where you have millions of eyeballs on you before you had hundreds of eyeballs, you know, eyeballs on
4: you.
1: There's a mystery
4: there and you have to be, you know, the next, like next level to like garner Mm -hmm. that attention. You can't just do something crazy and off the wall. I mean, like, I remember, because I can tell all these grandfather stories, I remember the first
3: time I ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk, for God's sake, right? And, like, that doesn't seem that long ago, but at the time, he was doing stuff that he was the only one doing it in a world where there wasn't that many people doing stuff in that space anyway. And now that kind of shenanigans, a lot of people could copy, but it, it just wouldn't work the same way. So the reinvention process gets me excited because it doesn't really go beyond a certain point until it's saturated. Once it's saturated... You can't do in that space the same. You have to move to the left and start back at the bottom in the clear zone and do something different. And, and we'll see how that pans out. For example, my bet is somebody's going to take Elementor and run with it and make a new platform. And then it's going to be like, okay, the WordPress thing here and then the WordPress Elementor thing there. If that should happen, now there's a lot of forests that was cut down in this clear space and see what happens.
1: Right. <clears throat> On to story two. Started to heat blogging. Why? And that's and it's from WP Blog Designer. What did you think of this one, Brian?
5: Um, I mean I can agree. I, I agree with some of it. and I don't agree with other parts of it. Um, so like the the writer's block. I selected
1: thing, this I, just for you, Brian.
5: <laughs> the writer's block thing. I have never had that problem. My Trello board has like seven hundred topics I want to write about if I had time. So that one, I've never had problem with, but there's other things in this article that he talked about, um, like not taking a break. You can really get like caught up in the workflow of like you see all these other people publishing all this great content now, especially nowadays, as opposed to like five years ago. Um, And so like it means you, I mean, you just have to constantly be pushing out amazing content, and especially if you're like just a single person, like can be exhausting. I mean, just you know that you almost have to for me, I try to just shut everybody else out and write the article I want to write based on you know the things I've learned uh throughout the last twelve years using wordpress um and that that's a lot less stressful way of doing it, I think, otherwise, if you're constantly comparing yourself, it's just gonna yeah, it's a mental drain at that point um, but he he also yeah, this one part about. There's so much to do. There's another thing that I can't agree with. And he mentioned finding tools kind of like to speed up your workflow. I think that is important. Like anywhere you can save like 10 minutes a day at this point, and you know, it's it's helpful. Um, I'm always looking for new tools to like shave off workflows and little things I'm just constantly doing every single day. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good. I, I related with a lot of it, but I disagree with some of it too. So I, I enjoyed reading it. This was actually one of the articles of the whole thing that I read the entire thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? It was, worth, it was worth reading to some extent, wasn't it? I thought you would like it. So what did you reckon about it, Spencer?
3: Um, this is one of those topics that I think will dovetail into what I just said. Blogging, when it first started out as a novelty, was a way to get attention what I would propose to people who are interested in becoming YouTubers or bloggers is why are you doing it unless you can directly attach it to building an audience of prospects? I don't think you should blog. I don't think you should make videos because there is no easy path in a saturated world of blogging and YouTube videos for anybody to make up for the time it will take. It's just a factual statement. If at the end of your blog, you're offering a consultancy service or a pain point solution or a product or an ebook or something, you could theoretically justify your prospecting. And I'm not saying people shouldn't give away this stuff for free because I do that all the time, but I give away my stuff for free because it's at least tangentially related to my Credibility as an expert, an authority, a product or a service, and I think that's the unfortunate reality of what we just talked about, which is in a world that is matured with online stuff, you you can't raise your hand in a billion-person world and get attention, and this is essentially just a way of raising your hand. In the same way, like trying to make YouTube videos for money, be prepared, like that young lady a couple of weeks ago who was complaining that I only got paid sixteen hundred bucks for a million views. Well. Because there's a trillion people just like you making videos. So that is my opinion on it, which is, I don't blame this. I think it's a bot who wrote this anyway, but like I don't blame this person, Infotech or something. They're not even putting their own name on it, why they said it. but No, it's no, sort no, of, no, no,
1: no, 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 uh, um put his name on it. Protestant.
3: Uh, I don't see the name. Where's the name? I think it was named. At the bottom it says, this is another thing I don't like. Admin, Solwin Infotech is a fast-growing WordPress web development company. Well, here's a thought. Maybe put your face and real name on it so yeah. that people think it's a real person. And then it would be like, oh, I know that guy,
4: like Brian Jackson does. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Bra- Brian, I think do, you
4: feel, touched- do you feel oh. like it's a lot harder to break through content stuff today like than it was like five years ago? Or I don't know how long you've been blogging for, but like, what, what does the landscape look like with so much more being published by companies that are trying to sell products and stuff like
5: that. Was that directed to me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's funny because what he was just talking on too, people ask me nowadays, like, should I start a blog for my company? And actually, my first answer now is no, don't start a blog. (laughs) Um, And I would have said the opposite like five years ago. Like I would have said like, definitely start a blog, pushing out content. But nowadays... I think, there's other, I think you have to be more creative. Like, like he was saying, it's just so saturated that if you're just starting a blog from scratch today, oh my god, you got to have two years before anything's going to happen almost. It's, it's going to just take a, a crap ton of work or a lot of money to find the right writers. There's ways you can fast track stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just super, super hard today. Um, And standing, like he he also mentioned, is standing out from the crowd, I think, is the hardest way. Like you can't just, you know, five years ago, um, I would write something. It'd be on the first page of Google like within days. And now like you almost have to like publish it. I keep adding content as I think of things, updating it. And like six months to eight months down the road that I might have it somewhere where I'm actually happy with. (laughs) So it's completely different than... It was before. I I don't think um, I think you can still be successful with content marketing. Obviously, content marketing is a huge part of my strategy still. But again, I have stuff that's you know I built for years. I'm kind of building off of, so it's hard to compare it to someone just starting you know right from scratch. If it was me, I would definitely. I'm not starting any new blogs anytime soon. I don't. <laughs> I don't ever want to ever again. So yeah, it's just yeah, it's a lot of work.
1: What do you recognize, Drew? If, uh,
2: if you're a product or a services company and you're thinking, you know, I need a content marketing strategy, you only need three articles because your lead generation is going to happen on the merits of your service and not necessarily your content because it's so difficult to get content viewed that your content in your blog or your three articles or whatever are going to act as authority builders and, and providing valuable insight into how your service or product actually works. Uh that's what we do on on our blog. I'm a terrible content writer. Uh, I'm really good at code and I'm really good at documentation and landing pages. But when it comes to writing content, they're filled with grammar errors and it's just it's just awful. I have to have, uh, I have to have them edited or else they don't go out. But I just wrote the three and it's all they do is they target our customer segments. You know, how does Groundhog work for agencies or how, you know, to build whatever strategy that you need in order to get started with Groundhog. And we have those three content pieces. They build authority, they build credibility, and then they inevitably get someone to, to upgrade. But they get there based on the merits of uh, the product and the service, whatever advertising that that we're doing at the moment. But if you're a product and service and you don't have a blog yet, don't start one Get the leads on the merits of your service. Use your content strategy to nurture them and to educate them, not necessarily to get them in the door.
1: Thanks for that. We're going to go
0: for our breaks, listeners and viewers, and we'll be back with some more stories back in a moment. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need Tonic as your trusted white label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to WP-Tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's WP-Tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back, we've had a good discussion
1: in the first half. I've got some better stories, I think, for the second half, I think. Uh, It should be interesting. Um, On to story three. Should WordPress provide an API for third-party editors? Another good story from Justin Tadelock. I think he's firing all engines there. What do you reckon about this one, Spencer? In a world where Matt Malenweg sells the company?
3: No, uh, this is a political problem. I feel like I'm always... I'm channeling the ghost of. uh,
1: Put your background image. Get me. I
3: feel like I'm channeling the ghost of our previous, uh, you know, guest hosts and stuff here. But the idea is, in an ideal world, this political problem wouldn't exist. Like Morton would say, it's not a problem of whether they could do it. It's a problem of the company just spent six million or four million dollars to buy some second company that's doing some kind of JavaScripty thing here and there. And yet, at the same time, isn't paying a salary for sort of executives to be in charge of fixing things like the Gutenberg look and feel or isn't in charge of cohesifying, if that's a word, the WooCommerce experience. So how and where are they going to spend the energy to build an API that would do nothing more than poke a huge hole in the jetpack dam that they're trying to build to force everybody into using Gutenberg blocks and the, the Woo payment and everything else? It isn't gonna happen. It's a nice talk. Now, again, with the tavern, you must always scroll down to the comments. And you'll notice there's a comment in here by Justin. Justin, is Matt gonna come and spank your tushy about writing this article? And he says, No, I'm gonna be okay. And then it says, Oh, you know, oh Matt, you know, is this gonna be something that is a good idea? Da-da-da-da. What are you wasting your time for? And he has to justify why he's saying, you know. I hope all the discussions we hear have a good use of time. Otherwise, what are we doing? So the point is, everybody, even in the comments, I think, feels similarly, which is, why are we hypothesizing about all these theoretical political problems when there is an emperor at the top making it clear that he's taking this company in another direction? And all right, so that's it. I don't want to be cynical because I like the fact that Justin has got two articles here today we talked about, and neither one of them was an infomercial. But at the same time, I do feel like it's almost a little bit of a, like a fairy tale conversation of why not just focus the energy on the companies that are actually doing something that's tangibly different.
1: Okay, what do you reckon, uh, Brian?
5: I mean, I kind of agree. I don't think this is ever going to happen, or it's, it's it is kind of a fairy tale. Um, but touching on the topic where he mentioned iceberg in there, I actually gave that a play the other day. It's actually kind of really cool. Um, while I said I love blocks, I still don't write like the writing experience, and so I think even Justin said this at the end. I actually tend to do a bulk of my writing in like Bear app, which is like a little Mac little app for writing that I really enjoy. So and then pasting it all back into um, into the block editor. So you know it. Would this ever happen? Probably not. But I would love to see the writing experience get better with the current editor. I just think while I love the blocks, I feel like if you compare it to the classic editor where you had like literally no interruptions, just one big thing where you could write. I, I much rather prefer that for writing than I do hitting enter, new block, hitting enter, new block, new paragraph for writing. It's just it's really disruptive. And that's why I tend to write with my bear app or I was using the iceberg thing, and it's like a basically turns the block editor into a markdown editor. <laughs> the best way to describe it, um, and you don't really see the blocks. And I actually had a lot of fun writing with it. I might actually start using it more. Um, well, I, think, I, little...
1: just, I just use Google Docs, and because they got is, they have yeah voice, yeah. that's another voice recognition software, because obviously i a bit of dyslexia. I mean, is
3: it, is, isn't the devil in those details? Like, if you're writing a long-form article, or in my case, I don't like to do that at all. Luke here in our company does that, but I like to do videos. But if I'm doing something that, let's say, is a multiple posting scenario with videos otherwise, I tend to just, like John, I just go write the, the text in something that's made for it, like a word processor, and then paste it, and then I do the other, maybe ACF or something to do a custom post editor, put the video here, put the, the thing here. And so what I'm saying is, isn't it true like that this is sort of all beside the point anyway? because. If you do a long-form blog, I challenge anybody to say that the editor in WordPress is the best place to do that, regardless. Just go do the text elsewhere, get the video content, get the ad links, and then you just compile
4: them in WordPress. I think I that's think, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like, That's the perfect reason why this API will never exist is because everybody has their own workflow with like their team or themselves. They have their own apps that they want to use. And I think even if you had an API, everybody has their little niches that they had how they do things. That at the end of the day, your API is only going to integrate with a handful of those things. And so people are going to be left in copy and pasting back into the editor, regardless of what you do. Um, and so why why build something that people have solved in better ways? Maybe I mean, I guess you could argue if it's better or not, but. I know very few people that would that write in WordPress, and I don't think an API would actually change people's workflow that much.
1: Agree with you there. What do you reckon, Adrian?
2: I actually thought it was a it was a a, a unique idea. This would allow people using, for example, in the in the page editor framework, not necessarily for posts, but for 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 pages. If you wanted to do all of your page editing like exclusively. Let's say something like Elementor, then instead of clicking on edit page, then going through the clean clicking the button to edit with Elementor button, it would be just like an overwritten completely. As soon as you edit page, it loads up the editor and that also provides them the ability to add their own editing UI for stuff like page title, excerpt, featured image, etc. The list goes on. And you could just have that full page editing experience in one area rather than having the fragmented experience. Because every time I make a page, I have to do all of the metadata stuff in the, the block editor for the page and then click on the edit with Elementor button to do the actual page design. And that's fragmented experience. So this kind of thing could seriously improve the workflow for pages that are like designed with landing page editors like Elementor, Beaver Builder, Brizzy, et cetera. The list goes on. And I think, I think that this kind of introduction would make that experience better. I love blocks and I love the thing for posts and all of that stuff. It's not, as everybody else always says, it's not necessarily ready to do like the full like landing page editor experience with all of like the animations and all of like the cool stuff that you can do with Elementor or Beaver Builder or anything like that. So an introduction of this sort of feature for pages and, and other custom post types, I think, would be rather valuable for, for the workflow aspect until like Gutenberg gets there.
1: What do you? Let's go on to story four. Ooh, responsive web design. turns 10. there's a lot of anniversaries in this, this this episode, isn't there? What did you reckon about this one, um, Stephen?
4: Um, I feel like responsive web design is a, like a beautiful, great thing, but also like the bane of my existence when I was building, you know, custom web apps and stuff for people. Um, I've I've always said that if I was a dictator, I would like limit the screen sizes to, like, three. Like, a tablet, a desktop, and a phone. And, like, that's all my nation would ever get. And so, as a developer, you just build for three sizes, and that's all. It seems like there's always, like, a screen size that falls outside of uh, what you had initially anticipated when you were, like, testing all of your responsive stuff. Like,
2: the huge Galaxy Note that's, like, halfway yeah. in between tablet and
4: phone. like, who the hell's?
2: I thought this was a great idea?
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, it like... Back in the day when Apple only had like one or two screen sizes, right? You could like say, okay, so many of my audience, I just need to test on these and these devices and I'm good. But today it's like all over the place. So like the need for responsive stuff becomes even greater. Um, But as people are getting into 4K or 8K monitors, like it's just getting more and more challenging. And so it's cool to see that over 10 years, how much it's like evolved and all the different frameworks that have come out to help support responsive web design um, whether it's like tailwinds or bootstrap or all these things that kind of make it a little bit easier um, still I think it's something that we're still struggling with and we'll always be struggling with until the day we die.
1: Do you actually think Spencer do you actually think um, the actual idea is in some ways flawed in a way because it's impossible really because you've got so many different screen sizes there that You know, it's the same reason why I think when Microsoft had this idea that they could have one interface for all types of devices, mobile phone, um, tablet, desktop, and it was going to be Windows 8, and they're going to have this unified interface. Fundamentally, it imploded, didn't it? And it didn't end up very well, did it?
3: I think it was a necessary... I don't even want to call it, come out. It was a necessary advancement for the transition because when we first started out, everybody had a 640 by 480 monitor. Maybe it was green screen or amber. Then it went color, but nobody had anything other than a CRT. Maybe it was, I think it was 13 or 15 inches. Then it went to 17 and 19 and, you know, got bigger, but it was still the same thing, just larger stuff. When you went to mobile devices first, you really needed this because you can't take the content from a landscape big monitor and shove it into a, a portrait mode phone because, you know, the columns would be so thin that everybody would it would just be one-letter wide stuff. And so I actually appreciated when this concept first came live how it, you know, could make the shift and scale and everything else. But I think as everybody here would say, and Stephen specifically said, that the compromise was You know, how many buckets are you going to have? Are you going to do literally, right, media queries times 100 or just pick three and tell that person with the Galaxy, turn your thing sideways or vice versa? So I think that's the world we live in now. But what I see happening, and we've discussed so many times, is when it moves to a a browser responsive scenario like uh, one of the JavaScript or jQuery front ends, or it moves to a voice centric thing, or in the future, holographic websites in our glasses or something. All of this will go away as a conversation, just like I'm sure wagon wheel makers had all their complaints about oak versus maple, and then, ta-da, the rubber wheel comes along, it's all over. So,
1: you know, it's just yeah. a transition. Yeah, I just kind of, um, I, I, I think you just have to take it so far, depending on the budget and what the client wants. But I think there, there's kind of certain there's certain points where we try and meet. That's in our in our agreements with clients, um, and then if they want, you know, they've got other requirements. They have to pay for it. You know, <laughs> you to, I mean, I think that's the if you want other requirements. You have to pay. I for.
3: mean, that goes back to the economy we're in right now, which is really traditional of. I heard the term that makes sense. We are really, most of us, even if we code, we're plumbers. That is to say, we have a lot of ready-made components and the expertise is knowing which components to plumb together. And it could be like the newest, coolest thing came along. That's far different than the early days of WordPress where we were really all coding. Making a pretty website really did involve learning HTML, CSS, PHP, and so forth. And so now you'd be on a fool's errand. And I read this also in another article about how Facebooks and other big companies are changing. Their software engineer teams are no longer necessary. Why? Because in the early days, they made their own proprietary libraries for everything. Today, there's already pre-made libraries that are perfected, and most of these larger companies are moving to just plumbing together those existing libraries. And I think as time goes on, the AI and the software itself will start even doing this bit of it. Like you'll just tell it some instructions. I want to make this and th- the software will know to put together various things and spit it out. And while that will eliminate some jobs, I think it will shift the human part to why are you doing this anyways, which is the relationship building, the marketing part, the, you know, let's enjoy our 12 hours of leisure every day.
1: Well, on to the next story then. Amazon gave TV stations, coronavirus propaganda and some aired it. Oh, well, Godfathers. What do you reckon about this one, um, Agent?
2: Don't start with me. <laughs> All right. Um, this guy. I, I was just going to say, I'm glad he didn't start with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, start, start, well, I I start with
1: Spencer. Start, start with Spencer there. on, Spencer.
3: First time I was reading this, I was thinking, like, Amazon <laughs> gave TV stations herpes or something, but instead it's coronavirus. The, the whole point is hello. I'm like, hello. Like, the, I don't want to shift to politics, but you know, Twitter's move this week of finally being bold enough to put like the this may require you to read some more about this tweet kind of things, right? That is a sign of things to come because never, never.
1: Every,
3: Everybody, everybody has to be completely, you know, like an ostrich head in the sand to not realize that everything they read today has to have a a political or a financial motive behind it. It just doesn't otherwise get attention. So this is not surprising. And whether it's nefarious or accidental, it's definitely a motive that's being pursued by the powers that be. And I think it falls in line with the other things that, while I love Amazon, I do find the paradox of their behavior odd. They are the number one company. He is the richest man in the world. He doesn't need to be such a douchebag or the company doesn't have to act like a Walmart. They could be a leader in saying, hey, we we own this world now and we're going to use it. Like, we'll take 10% off the top and
1: still be the just, best. I just don't understand it. He's just a He's just a Bond villain. It's so just, obvious. I, I, he's has out of a Bond film, is not he? he I, you know, I, he, he, he he dresses... I, 20 years too younger for himself. And basically, he wants to go into the, he wants to go into the stars. You know? President, President Obama said why this TV, happened.
3: You know? <laughs> Obama said one time after his presidency, why is it that politics and all these things act right there? And my friend who's a psychologist said a similar thing, which I think to me makes it an interesting thought. The same behavior that happens at like high school for people who want to be on student council or president of the chess club or the, the, the captain of the football team, that behavior never changes the higher up you go into the politics or the corporate world. And Jeff Bezos, whatever his motives may be, we saw his origin, super smart nerd that came up from the bottom. And I guess he's entitled to flex his actual and physical and monetary muscles now. And maybe he's thumbing his nose at all the, the things that he felt like he got slighted on in the past. But there are other people who come up and end up doing the opposite. You know, they come from really hard situations. They use all their money for good. And I don't know, a Keanu Reeves type of character. So it does, it is a really interesting passion play when you look at our society, how certain people with money, it they say amplifies your natural tendencies. And I think we're seeing this through the corporate CEO suite and such of these various companies.
4: They're doing but, weird stuff. But here's, here's the issue that I had with that article is that it makes Amazon the bad person where like, this happens all the time. PR, mark, PR people put out press releases and videos and talking points to news media all the time. Like really what we should be pissed off is at the news media for just like grabbing this stuff and using it and not telling people about it or not investigating it themselves. Like that's like this article frames over like, oh, Amazon's a terrible person. It's like, no, like we should expect more from our news media than just to grab whatever packet some PR department sent them and just run it on the air without doing any sort of investigation. And maybe it was all right. And maybe they did do investigation. As long as, long as what they said was true, okay. But like, it's still them regurgitating these points and there was nothing that, I don't know. I, I was just disappointed with the media. Amazon can do what Amazon wants, but I expect more from our media than that.
3: It's that 24-hour news cycle, I mean, that created the problem. Back in the day with corporate news, there was three channels on two times a day, two newspapers a day, and you had a trusted figurehead, you know, like a Walter Cronkite. Now with the 24-hour news cycle, I've seen lots of examples where you see the one story and then they do this same thing with a grid of 100 stations, and they're literally reading the same thing. And that's because the news director is being paid to keep filling the space so that advertisers have something to advertise against.
1: I, I only watch Fox myself. Exactly, <laughs>
3: right. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the unfortunate reality of our... Like, I do fondly remember when you turned on the TV and it was not constantly 800 different channels talking about that's the same
1: thing. You know, I, I believe in my president, so I watch Fox all the time. So there we go. Uh, um, on to the next one. Uh, um... What's it the number six? Um, best plugins to turn your WP website into a mobile app. I've had a couple of people ask me about this, um, you know, it, it kind of recently. It kind of dies down and it rears its head. You know, can't we turn this into an app easily? You know, yeah, you know, you're shaking your head, Stephen. What did you reckon about this advert? Um and...
4: Yeah, I I have like two, maybe <laughs> three, three thoughts on this. One, like it brings up the debate, like what about progressive web apps where like you're not in the app store, but you can, you know, install things on the phone. But we have like issues with that with like Apple not supporting some stuff and Google supporting some other stuff and some integration issues with that. Um, And then like just app fatigue, I feel like there are people that just don't want to download one more app to do something. And if you look at the trend, I think we're heading into this area where everything's going to be more progressive web apps, but we're not there yet. So what do you do in the meantime? Do you publish your app to an app store? Do you create like a little, you know, web wrapper around everything? Because essentially that's what this is, right? It's just like a glorified website of your, you know, just loading in content. So like, do you do that? Or do you go this progressive web app, which isn't quite fully baked, isn't quite fully there yet? Um, we're kind of in this weird in-between state. And mm-hmm. so like, whenever you're in that, it's always really hard to know. Like, do you build an app? Do you use a plugin to really quickly create an app? Do you go this progressive web app route? Um, I think it really depends on what industry you're in. But from my point of view, I am tired of having to download people's apps to do stuff. So,
1: always, you, always did think it was a bonkers idea, but there we go. Well, Adrian, you got something to say?
4: Uh,
2: back about a year and a half ago, when I first hired my first developer, I'm like, we need an app for our CRM so that they can manage everything from the phone,
1: right? I bet they don't.
2: That was that was that was a three month investment full time for him. Was it
1: was it? Yeah. And that was a journey into the Amazon jungle, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. And yeah. At, the end, at the end of it, I'm like, I, I read an article from Hotjar. And Hotjar uh said, you know what we need, we need an app. And then they went through like a two-year development cycle for this app and then released it. And nobody wanted it, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, so then I asked my audience, like, so if we made an app, would you use it? And they got was like zero interest. And I'm like, well, shit, you know, I've I've now invested three months' salary into a product that nobody wanted.
1: Well, at least you didn't spend five grand on a on a on a AdWords campaign.
2: Yeah. So, so before you go asking yourself you know, for your course site or your blog or whatever, ask yourself, does my audience want an app from me? You should ask them because they'll tell you. And, (coughs) And if the answer is no then don't invest three months in valuable resources going down that road because it's a painful and it's an expensive one. And I learned something during that period of time. And I have been able to make vastly superior use of the resources at my disposal since then, besides going down like the app road for something that nobody really wanted, nobody really needed, and no one was ever going to use. Here
1: we go. What you reckon, that, is my, that
2: was my lesson on the app uh, road. What do you
1: reckon, Brian?
5: I, <laughs> I have a couple opinions on this. So first off, I think... Go on, it,
1: bro, Go, bro. Go for it. I,
5: I think it matters what it is. So like, you know, for something like Spotify, I want an app. Like, I'm going to take the time, I'm going to go download an app. Um, but it's something like a content website. Like you have to, like Stephen was saying, I feel like you're kind of caught in between right now. Like, do you do a responsive web... Do you still piggyback off the responsive web design for for the next five years until the progressive web apps maybe are further do you utilize Amp, Google Amp more? Um, I'm not a fan of Amp. <laughs> Don't mind admitting that. Um, and yeah, I think it. I actually really liked Adrian's answer of like, just ask them and they will tell you. Um, because before working at Kinsta, I worked um, like agencies and doing PPC and stuff like that. And I can't tell you how many times we had business owners at come to us saying, we need an app. And then like us as the marketing agency and doing the development and stuff would be like, why do you need the app? And they're like, oh, well, we just need the app. Like that, that was their age. If and we so, have the
2: app, people yeah. will use it and it will make us money. Exactly. But exactly. it doesn't necessarily happen in that order.
5: <laughs> exactly, yeah. They, they just think because people have iPhones and things that they're literally going to go and install their app. And that's just not the case. And um, then you end up, you know, similar like Adrian said that you invest uh, money into it you waste time and then nobody ends up using it um and then you're really back to oh let's just piggyback piggyback off of responsive web design again instead of doing the app so yeah i think Actually, it matters flash
1: would answer all these problems ryan if we go back to flash oh
5: flash oh <laughs> i'm glad we're
4: <laughs> i'm glad What's we're out the of that JavaScript. Is guy I, into the guy? I was just flying on American Airlines, and you still need to use Flash enabled to use <coughs> their like video player thing. It's like like Chrome's like getting rid of that, like coming right down the pike. So I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do if I keep flying American. Hopefully they fix that.
1: Flying? What was flying? Oh, yeah, I remember flying. That was <laughs> the where we used to go for one. The good <laughs> old days. Those good old days before you just wouldn't choke to death on the virus. Uh, um, what do you reckon, Spencer?
3: <laughs> I, I mean, I think you guys touched on the point. I actually had this conversation just yesterday. I think most people who aren't doing this for a regular living don't even understand that in an HTML5 world, the only types of things that even need to be an app would be something like a map my ride or a heartbeat monitor, something that you can't accomplish with a web browser website. Otherwise, you literally are putting lipstick on a pig. I mean, you're just taking your website and putting a wrapper on it. So somebody has to go and download a thing that lets them look at the browser by pushing a button. Now, what's interesting too is that when you ask people not only whether they want it or need it, but what they would do with it, nobody wants to be locked to one device why because sure i have an iphone but i got maybe an ipad and i got my desktop i got my laptop i got my kid's phone if you have an app it's like you might be in a place where you can't actually use the device that had the app downloaded whereas if you just tell people go to the website that could be done from anywhere at any time and i think that's the part that now the things have shifted the other way uh, you absolutely need app for an android or an apple if it's something that can't be done in a browser if it can be done in a browser just explain to people how the web works and go, oh, what you want is a mobile responsive website, which everything is now. Ta-da. And, yeah, and,
5: and like what you were saying on, do you want to also develop for Android? And for the? Uh, then you have to have multiple apps at that point. So you're going down a rabbit hole so that's just kind of...
3: And it's hard, by the way. I mean, I did have something put in the App Store in the early days. And it's a super-duper pain in the ass not only to get in there and the cost, but also when you want to update and you want to keep it maintained. You have to actually maintain that on a different system then oh i'll just b- log into my browser and change the stuff so
1: oh dear painful to say the least there we go i think it, i think in silicon valley you know it, it, if it's a website oh, you, we don't want we don't want that you there's literally it had to there was a stage where it had to be an app if you wanted to get you know, uh, you wanted to get
2: your VC money. You had to
1: yeah, have an app. Yeah, it, it had to be an app, didn't it? You know, you had to be an app and off the time.
3: Or, or even a desktop version now, like with, uh, let's say, Slack or Stripe or uh, Skype or any of those things. You can do the browser, but the desktop app is really more efficient because they're specialized. But if I want to browse Medium or something like yeah. that, for God's sake, I mean, I'm not... First, I wouldn't go there. It, but, like, the, I'm not browsing it on the app, you know. The,
2: the difference comes in because, like... Uh, when you're when you're looking at a browser like on the back end it 's what we call stateless uh you know you load the page and it 's done loading on apps and desktop applications and mobile apps the 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 back end is constantly processing new information and can update the UI and provide new information uh without you having to like refresh the page, which is what happens on the browser when you want the newest information. You have to go through that research process. If your application doesn't require any sort of like backend processing going on in the background and there's no like new constant information like chat bubbles or anything going on, then just put it in a browser because it's just static information and no one needs to download an
1: app to see that. It's funny how things work out. All right, let's go on to our recommendations of the week. And I've got one. Um, it's a really interesting um, UX design Sort the mess which is the back end of WordPress. Um, it's called Organized WP. Uh, um, I bought it and uh, I've been trying it out and I really like it. So if you want to sort out the back end of your of your WordPress websites um, for yourself or for clients, go over to Organize WP and it comes from the guy that WP Search. And we're interviewing him, Jonathan, another Jonathan. In the next couple of weeks, me and Adrian will be interviewing him. So, I rec- so Adrian, have you got a recommendation? Absolutely, I do. Uh, on Monday... Uh, MailHawk, which
2: is our brand new transactional email service specialized for WordPress, swooped in in on Monday, and uh, it's a service where uh, you can hook it up to your site in just a few clicks. We provide DKIM and SPF domain validation and the whole shebang. And we're really focused on making sure that we're servicing WordPress transactional emails, stuff like password reset emails, WooCommerce payment receipts, Lyft LMS notifications, uh, the whole and, and anything coming from Groundhog, my other product. We're really focusing on making sure that those get the best deliverability versus something using like uh, Ses or SendGrid, where they're more concerned about like a generic diver- deliverability. We're really focused on on the WordPress specific notifications and stuff like that. Uh, so that's at MailHawk.io, and uh, you can go check that out. Sounds
1: fantastic, Spencer. Got anything you want to recommend to listeners and viewers?
3: Uh, Indeed, uh, because WooCommerce is uh, fundamental to most of what we do and our clients do in some way. Um, The 4.0 and thereafter have been really, really good for a lot of things. But along with it came the strategy to try to slip in the Trojan horse of a lot of other stuff you don't need and the onboarding. And along with that, many people got frustrated and I myself had complained about it. So somebody wrote a plugin called Disable
1: WooCommerce Bloat. And oh, it's, God. It's essentially... <gasps> the, yeah, it's, We're going make sure this is on with the chat. Go to get that. Oh, essentially my God. The, it's
3: essentially the classic editor plugin, uh, you know, which disables Gutenberg for the 5 million-plus people that have done that. It's essentially the same thing, but for WooCommerce, which is nice try automatic, not interested in the other 10 things that you threw in on the mix when I really wanted just the WooCommerce, which is a sad reflection upon how misaligned the management is at Automatic or at WooCommerce's team with what people really would pay for gladly, which is not this. So anyway, I tried it. The one thing that I'm not, I'm not saying it's perfect, but the one thing that it does that I would maybe say you can get around is it also disables this feature called customers, which if they had implemented it properly would be awesome. But you may not notice this, but when you go into WooCommerce now 4.0, it has a tab called customers. If you were... Again, using it properly when you went there, you could click on the customer and do stuff with it. Instead, it doesn't let you do anything with it. It only lets you click on the name and then go to the profile. It doesn't let you, for example, oh, delete this person or edit them. It's just just like a bridge to something else, which is unnecessary. But those things are what eliminates the marketing tab, the customer's tab, all the other shenanigans that are added on and so forth. So check it out.
1: Oh, please put all this into chat, though, panel. Put yeah, right your recommendations now. in chat. Um, Steve, you got anything? Uh, yeah, uh, my recommendation is Mammoth Docs
4: Converter, which is one of the best plugins that I've used to convert like Google Docs into WordPress posts. So if you just export a Google Doc as a Docs, it'll like import all the photos, upload it, um, kind of strip out all the styling tags that normally come along with Google Docs. So if anybody's looking to do that, I recommend that plugin.
1: sounds fantastic. And Brian, have you got anything you want to recommend?
4: Uh,
1: And you can recommend your own products, Brian. We'll let you.
5: I was going to say I have a shameless plug I was going to put in there. Uh, We just released uh, our social media plugin for WordPress. We developed it from the ground up based on performance. Um, So we we tried to do it a little differently than everyone else has. Um, And so far, the feedback has been really well. It's uh, uh, novashare.io. You can go check it out. And then the two other things uh, I've been using that I think people should check out is generate blocks is one really cool new thing. And then um, the heroic table of contents, which is the table of contents, but actually based on the block editor. So that's another cool one.
1: All right. So put all that into chat. And you want to ask ask Brian a question, don't you, Spencer, about WooCommerce, don't you?
3: Well, you know, we were just tongue-in-cheek because we really enjoyed the article. But the one thing that stood out maybe... Uh, besides the PayPal conversation. It was the I, you, big block letters. I will never use WooCommerce again. And I'm willing to put a gentleman's bet on the table. Uh, I'll put up 50 bucks. If anybody catches Brian Jackson using WooCommerce, <laughs> anybody want to throw it? Because I think it's pretty hard to avoid the gravitational pull of that black hole. I mean, I love EDD for various reasons, but it's not WooCommerce. And I... I I challenge you to stick with that or here's your last chance to get out on it. Retract that.
5: <laughs> I don't see myself ever going back. I think a couple of reasons is because I've seen the nightmares from the hosting side with WooCommerce. I mean, it's, it's a heavier thing. Like it's, you're going to have more problems with things like that. Um,
4: mm. But <laughs> I,
2: I don't know. It's, I'm with Brian. WooCommerce is a pick from a resources standpoint, from a development am, standpoint, from so many things, and EDD for developers like Brian and I is just so much more of a pleasant experience to set up and integrate with and to just really get the the checkout experience that we want.
5: Yeah, you you can definitely I, say I'm a EDD
3: fanboy. I'm ex- I'm I mean,
5: the, the differentiator
3: it. is, if you are a developer of software, 100% you know for WP fusion it's using EDD as well if you're selling software EDD is a is a, a full package of everything you need but for everything else i mean where are you going to go i don't know it's not it's not going to happen so i would challenge both of you guys i'm putting the bounty on both your heads if anybody sees adrian or Brian, using WooCommerce in any way. Contact- well, that's,
2: that's not fair. I have a WooCommerce integration. I have to use WooCommerce in order to develop it, by the way, which was a much more difficult experience than it was developing our integration with EDD, for the record. <laughs> but uh, I, I can't take that bet because I have to use WooCommerce as a necessity of providing my products.
5: <laughs> I will take that bet. You will never see me okay.
1: using it. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, before we wrap up the show, me and Spencer are doing a free webinar on um, Tuesday. You'll be probably listening to this on Monday. So, um, the, Tomorrow, if you're listening on Monday, it's the 2nd of June at 9am Pacific Standard Time. Me and Spencer, like I say, are going to be doing a free webinar about building modern funnels using LaunchFlows and WooCommerce and Elementor to build the kind of funnels for yourself or for your clients. Um, it's going to be, we've had a lot of people sign up. Um, I think it's going to be a blast. Our... Um, if you want to join us, you can go to the WP Tonic website in the top navigation. There's free, a button that says free webinar. You click it and you can sign up for free. And like I say, you'll be using a link and you'll be able to join us and ask questions of me and Spencer. I'm, I'm not sure you can... I think much.
3: that's the benefit too, is that there's of course going to be a replay. The mm-hmm. benefit of attending live is twofold. First of all, It's not like you're going to get spammed. But if you have an interest in this topic, it's about customizing your, unfortunately for Brian and Adrian, your WooCommerce checkout experience. (laughs) But good for Adrian and maybe Brian too. We're going to talk about integration with your favorite CRM like Groundhog, Lifter LMS, uh, WP Fusion. Essentially the stack of things you need to build a modern online business, but to give you that same experience that you otherwise might... Feel overwhelmed by when you walk into the Home Depot of WordPress, and we'll do it in a way that if you attend live or say you're interested live, you'll get to ask reasonably free questions as far as time is concerned. Because uh, we'll have a Q and A session, and otherwise, you know, there will be a replay. We'll at least know that you want the replay if you uh, if you just throw your name in there.
1: There will be a replay. So, um, my beloved um, panel Adrian, how people how can people find out more about you and the Hulk?
2: Uh, So you can go to Groundhog.io for our core product, which is uh, CRM and marketing automation for WordPress if you're looking to replace something like MailChimp Active Campaign and FusionSoft with a really awesome WordPress solution. That's Groundhog with 2Gs.io. And uh, you're more than welcome to hook that up with uh, our new uh, transactional email service of choice, which is, of course, MailHawk.io.
1: Yes. And Spencer, how how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, probably launchflows.com,
3: or you can find us on that Facebook book group where it's pretty active about the same topic. So, uh, Facebook. Uh, com groups, launchflows.
1: And, Stephen, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh,
4: head over to zipfish.io, and you can learn about how we make WordPress fast by optimizing both the server and the code on your site.
1: That's great. And, Brian, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to?
4: Uh, the best
5: place is probably just forgemedia.io. So you can see what plugins we have. Um also my blog's on there too. So and also um on Twitter you can find me. I pretty much live on Twitter.
1: So. <laughs> All right, there we go. I don't
5: uh know if right. that'll be around much longer with everything going <laughs> on. But I'm
1: gonna take a, uh, use it while I can. Yeah, you got to. You never know, do you? You know, as things are going. We'll be back next week with a great roundtable panel, um, some great stories, a way to start your weekend in a, a great way. Uh, um, we'll see you soon, folks. Be back next week. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.